there's something in every one of us that longs to experience glory. There's something in every human that longs to experience something bigger than ourselves, something bigger than just the here and now, the deadlines of life, the routine, the daily grind that we go through. We want to experience something great, something glorious. We were made, I think, for glory. I think we get a taste of that when we see the sunset and it's just glorious. Or when we stand at the edge of the ocean and look out to the horizon. Or when we fall in love. Or when we go to a beautiful concert and listen to amazing music. We experience, we experience glory. That's why I think people spend so much money wanting to see a Taylor Swift concert. Because, I mean, they could watch her on YouTube. But there's nothing that beats being present with many other people and experiencing it, experiencing it for yourself. It's an experience of something great, something bigger than us. I experienced this about a month or so ago. I was away on holidays and we were in the country and I went out and looked at the Milky Way and it took my breath away. It took my breath away. It put my whole life into perspective and all the, the daily things I was doing. I was so just consumed by social media and changing kids' nappies and all those kinds of things. And I just felt so small. I felt so humbled. It was glorious. And the Bible says the heavens declare the glory of God. So all the things we experience in our life that are glorious, sunsets, the Milky Way, they're just a sneak peek of the ultimate glory, the glory of God. Well, Moses, that's what he wants to see. That's what he wants to see. In chapter 33, you can see it there. He asks a big, bold question of God. He says, now show me your glory. God, show me your glory. Moses has already seen God's glory. He saw God's glory in the burning bush when God first called him. He saw God's glory when God performed miracles and rescued them out of Egypt. He saw God's glory in the cloud that they followed. But Moses wants more. He wants more of the glory of God. What is God's glory? It's so hard to describe because God is so indescribable. God's glory is his majesty, his splendor, his beauty. His, his, uh, his significance, his, his magnificence, his greatness. God is more beautiful and glorious than anything we've experienced in our life. We don't worship a boring God. We worship the glorious God. Can you imagine seeing with your very own eyes the glory of God? Can you imagine how satisfying that would be? How beautiful that would be. How awe-inspiring that would be. Problem is, I think we forget. I think we forget how glorious God is. I um, was going for a walk last week, and I walked past the Harbour Bridge. And when I grew up, I grew up about 40 minutes or so from the Harbour Bridge. Seeing the Harbour Bridge was like a special thing. But... Now I've lived in the Lower North Shore for six or so years now. And I remember when I first moved here, I was like, wow, the Harbour Bridge. But on my walk last week, it struck me. 
I didn't really bat an eyelid. I've just become so used to it. It's just become routine. There it is. And I reckon if, if you've been a Christian for a while, it's easy to become like that with God. We forget how incredible and glorious he is. We forget that when we open the Bible, we are hearing words from the mouth of the glorious God who spoke to Moses on Mount Sinai with thunder and lightning. We get a bit too comfortable. I think that's a problem with church. Uh, one of the dangers with modern day churches, I mean, back in the day, you'd enter into you know, a beautiful big church with stained glass windows and you would feel the sense of awe. There was, a, there was a seriousness to it. You'd feel the sense of grandeur and awe. And there was a seriousness to worshipping the glory of God. But in the modern church, we've become, I think, a bit too casual, a bit too flippant, a bit too comfortable. We've lost the sense of gravity that we are together worshipping the glorious God, that we are together hearing the glorious God speak. We are praying to the glorious God. Now, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that every church, we need, we need stained glass windows here or anything like that. I'm not saying that. And we, we worship God not just on Sundays. We worship, can worship God every part of our week. But particularly when we gather, let's not forget the glory of God, the God that we're worshiping. The only response to God's glory is what Moses does in chapter 34, verse 8. He bows to the ground and worships. The only right response to God's magnificence is saying, God, you are incredible. You bow your knee before him. You raise your hands in joy. You offer your life as a living sacrifice to honor him and thank him. He is glorious, church. Well, God responds to Moses' request, verse 19 of chapter 33, verse 19. He says, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. See, that's what God's glory is. It's his goodness. God is altogether good. He's perfect. The glory of God is the goodness of God. That's why we call this series Gazing at God's Goodness. Moses wants to see God's glory, and God says, I'll show you my goodness. But we've got a problem. Moses has a problem. You have a problem. I have a problem. Verse 20. God says, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. God says to Moses, Mate, if I show you my glory, you're dead. If you see my face, you cannot live. See, you and I have a problem. Just like Moses, we are sinful human beings. And sin is an offense against God. That's the very nature of what sin is. It's saying to God, God, I don't think you're glorious. God, I'm going to live for something else. I'm going to give something else honor. I'm going to give something else glory. I'm going to give myself glory. The very nature of sin is, is, is rejecting the glory of God. 
And we might minimize our sin and say, oh, you know, it's just a lie. It's just a, it's just a bit of greed. God is the perfect, holy, glorious God, altogether good. He cannot tolerate sin. There are some things in life that, that can't coexist. Fire and water, for example. You take a candle, put it under water, it goes out. Fire water cannot coexist, and so it is with sin and the glory of God. See, when, when Isaiah, in the book of Isaiah, he, he has a vision of God's glory. And what's his response? He sees the glory of God. He doesn't say, whoa, how cool is this? Let me take a photo of this vision of God's glory. Wow. Now, his first response, woe is me, for I'm a sinner. Woe is me. We've got a problem. So what God says to Moses is, okay, you can't see my glory because you'll die. What I'll do is I want you to hide in this little bit of the rock. I'm going to pass by you. My glory, my goodness is going to pass by you. I'm going to cover you with my hand. Not his literal hand. He's just giving us language to understand him. I'm going to cover you with my hand. And then when I've passed you, you're going to be able to have a little sneak peek of the glory of my back. I remember when I was a teenager, I went and saw a concert, and I was trying to save money. I got the cheapest tickets, and I ended up having seats behind the stage. So the whole concert, all I could see were the backs of the performers. I felt ripped off. I wonder if Moses felt a bit ripped off. God, I want to see your glory. All he sees is God's backside. But actually, God was protecting him. Protecting him from being consumed. You know, when you want to look at an eclipse, you need those special glasses. Because the rays of the sun could damage your eyes. You need the special glasses to enable you to see the eclipse. God is making sure Moses can see just enough of his glory so that he gets the comfort he needs, the assurance he needs, the encouragement he needs, but he's protecting him from seeing too much so that he dies. And that's why you and I have it better than Moses. You and I have a better deal than Moses. Because you and I today can see the glory of God. And it's clearer than what Moses could see. John chapter 1. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory. The glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Friends, we have seen the glory of God in Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, you know the glory of God. 
when we open up the Bible and we read the accounts of Jesus and see his miracles and hear his speaking, we are seeing the glory of God. That's why when I'm meeting with someone who's not a Christian and they, they want to find out more about God, I open up just the Gospels so that they can see for themselves Jesus' life because that's where they're going to see God's glory, by looking at Jesus. God's glory became knowable. God's glory became touchable as Jesus Christ, God's one and only Son, came and dwelt among us. And Jesus dealt with the problem Moses had and the problem you have and the problem I have. He made a way for us not to be consumed because he died on a cross. And on that cross, he paid the punishment for all of our sin. He defeated our sin and death once and for all. And if you trust Jesus, you are forgiven. That means you can stand in the presence of God. You can see his glory and not be consumed. You can have access to God, a relationship with him. You can pray to him at any time, any place. You can be in his presence anytime, any place. While you're brushing your teeth, when you gather in church, as you're walking down the street, you enjoy community with him, communion with him, and not be consumed. And one day you can stand in heaven and enjoy being with him forever because of what Jesus did on that cross. I want to encourage you. Have you trusted Jesus? Your sin matters. God can't ignore it. To do so would be to be for him to diminish his glory. Your sin matters. Have you come to Jesus and asked for his forgiveness? You've got to do it. And if you have, there'll be a day when you see God's glory in all of its fullness. 1 John chapter 3, verse 2 says, Dear friends, now we are children of God, and what we will be has not yet been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. One day we will see Jesus and all his glory. And you know what's beautiful? We'll, we'll be like him. We'll be like him. The book of 2 Corinthians says, the more we look at the glory of Jesus, the more we're transformed to be like him. The experience of the glory of God is transformative. It changes us to be more like the God whose glory we are staring at. I cannot wait for that day when I can see the glory of God with my own eyes. That's the first thing I want us to see about God in our passage. He is glorious. Absolutely glorious. But then the way God shows his glory is by explaining his character. We see his glory 
in his character. He, God, God explains who he is. Isn't it good that God doesn't keep himself in the dark? He actually tells us who he is. And so God proclaims his character, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. I'm in chapter 34, verse 6. Compassionate and gracious God, slow down, go bounding off. Now, as I said, we're going to spend time on those through the rest of this series. I just want to really quickly, in the time we have left, look at the first one. Our God is compassionate. We see his glory in his compassion. That word compassion, it's often translated merciful. He's a God of mercy. He's a God of compassion. And the Hebrew word for that word is actually describing a womb. It's giving us the idea of how a nursing mother feels about their newborn baby. God's compassion, it's emotional. He has the emotion, the feeling that a newborn, that a mum has for their newborn child. That's how much God loves you. Psalm 103 verse 13 says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. When I look at my kids, my I love them. I feel an emotion for my kids like nothing else. And when they stub their toe or, you know, cry, my heart goes out to them. And I want to do something about their need. That's the way God feels about you. His compassion for you is far greater, actually, than the compassion a parent has for their child. It's a perfect compassion. When you're in need, he wants to help. He cares. When you cry out to him, he listens. Just like when a newborn baby cries, the mother hears the cry and does something. So God, he hears your cry. You're precious to him. He's not so distant that he doesn't notice what you're going through. And it's not like he's too busy running the world and doesn't have time for you. And when his heart is moved, because remember, this is emotional. His heart is moved. He's compassionate. He actually doesn't just feel an emotion and then kind of go, oh, yeah, whatever. He feels his heart goes out to you and he does something about your problem. That's what he did with the Israelites. They were in slavery in Egypt. And God's heart went out to them. He had compassion and he did something. He rescued them out of slavery. Do you cry out to him with your problems? Do you go to him with your needs? He loves you so much. And his compassion is there when you fail as well, when you sin. Not like God sometimes has a bad day and you better not go to him on a bad day. You better catch him on a good day. He's always compassionate, always ready to forgive. His compassion is unlimited. What, what I find crazy is this, this takes place right after the Israelites worship the golden calf. An awful sin. And yet God still says he is the compassionate one. 
Now, if that's what God is like, shouldn't that be what we're like? Showing compassion to those around us. Does our heart go out to the needs of those around us, and do we want to do something about it? There are plenty of people in our in the city of Ride who don't know the love of Jesus, who desperately need to know the gospel. Does your heart break for them? Do you want to share with them the love of Jesus and invite them to church or to Alpha? There are people in our church family, I'm sure tonight, who are hurting, suffering with mental illness or sickness or pain or uh, whatever it might be. How can you show compassion to them? Can you make them a meal? Can you practice hospitality and invite them into your home? Can you just sit with them and listen to their problems? And today's Compassion Sunday. Does your heart go out to the needs of the world's poor? And can you do something about those needs? Well, Jesus Christ was the compassionate one. If you want to see compassion in action, look at Jesus. In Matthew chapter 9, this is what it says. When Jesus saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. That word there, compassion, again, it's emotional here. That's describing something Jesus felt in his gut. His gut was moved by the crowds of people. He saw that they were harassed and helpless. Do you feel like that? Do you feel tired? Do you feel overlooked? Do you feel up against it? Do you feel oppressed or exhausted or anxious or helpless? Jesus' heart goes out to you. And he cares And his compassion sent him to the cross where he died in our place, the death we were meant to pay. I love the story of the prodigal son. Jesus tells the story of a prodigal son. The son betrays his dad, runs away, wastes his dad's money, rejects his dad until he hits rock bottom. And he's coming back to his dad to say sorry. And you would expect the dad to be angry. But what it says is that the dad saw him a long way off and was filled with compassion and ran to him with his arms wide open, ready to embrace him. And friends, that's our God. His arms are open. Whatever you were going through, whatever pain or suffering or trial, his arms are open, he cares. When you cry out to him, his arms are open. When you need forgiveness, his arms of mercy are open. His compassion, it never ends. This is the God that we are going to be gazing at this series. Glorious. Compassionate. This is the Lord Jesus. 
the glory of God we see in the face of Jesus, the compassion of God we see in Jesus. And the only response to this glorious God is humbly bowing our knees in worship and in thankfulness.